0: Hi, I'm Nicholas Grundish and I am beating the often path by improving people's lives through science and revolutionizing battery technology.
1: EnergyX is a sustainable energy company focused on lithium extraction and recovery technology, forward osmosis and solar thermal powered desalination. These technologies that you've never heard of when combined could create a process that dramatically lowers the cost of lithium resources, which as you know, are kind of a big deal right now. Joining us today is Nicholas Grundish, who has earned a PhD in material science and he studied under a Nobel Prize recipient. Now he's putting his battery tech to use for Energy X, a company that's secured tens of millions in funding with GM most recently leading their Series B with $50 million. So what does this mean for you and me? Well, batteries in our cars and our everyday devices will soon charge faster, be more safe. That's right. They won't catch fire on airplanes anymore and have dramatically increased capacity capacity. I love people who are building a more sustainable future, so here's Nicholas Grundish of EnergyX. I'm Ross Palmer, and this is Beat the Often Path. Welcome to the show, Nicholas. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I've looked at your website, and it's crazy what you're doing. Uh, What is this thing with lithium-ion batteries? Why is the demand so dang high, and why is this so important?
0: Yeah, so um, the last couple of Years specifically demand for lithium ion batteries has really improved because people are starting to realize um, especially when you know during COVID when everyone was forced to stay home and there wasn't as much pollution and uh, things like that we, we saw sort of overnight the effect that we are really having on the environment so people started to realize the importance of going green and and energy storage and, and you know uh, sources of renewable energy and I think that's really when things started kick-starting towards battery technology and, and you know energy storage um and yeah so i i think the i think certain people have probably claimed they knew it all along but really the you know mass um the general public really saw overnight the difference that that we're having on the environment and sort of coming to the realization that we have the power to change that have you known
1: it all along how long have you been interested in this
0: Oh no! I mean, uh, I so I mean, even when I first started working on battery technology and, and sort of the the material science behind it, I really wasn't thinking too much about the the global implications of anything that you know the community was doing. Um, by community, I mean like the the battery science community. Uh, I really got interested in it from a, a fundamental point of view and and just out of pure personal interest. Uh, it wasn't until I think maybe my second or third year of grad school, so maybe 2018, 2019, that it really started to to, you know, jump out at me that, you know, what the the science we're doing now can actually really affect people's lives in the future. Um, and that's probably when I became much firmer in my conviction on actually wanting to do something about it. You know, Outside of just the the realm of, you know, studying it, um, you know, studying the fundamental aspects of it, actually wanting to do something and develop a product, develop the technology that can help, um, you know, civilization become more sustainable. Mm.
1: Uh, it seems to me like there was a period, it's still going on now, where... People just create startups based on adding a lithium-ion battery to almost anything. There's just a huge category of startups that are just attaching a battery to something. You got a scooter, let's put a lithium-ion battery in it. Hey, now you got an e-scooter. You know, Every single thing in our life, you got a, a motorcycle, let's make it an e-motorcycle. You've got <laughs> all of these gadgets that depend on lithium-ion batteries. And I think so many companies just basically have a chargeable device as the core of their business model. Do you think that this is a fundamental part of sustainability or is it something else that most of these people are chasing?
0: Uh, I think it's sort of part of the natural progression towards sustainability. Um, I mean, I was tell I me mean, to your point, I was, or um, was I? I was at home Depot with my sister a couple of weeks ago. She just, you know, moved into a, a new house and, you know, they now have a lawn and they were looking at lawnmowers and much to my surprise, I had never even thought about it, somebody in the industry, they were all electric lawnmowers. I think there was maybe one gasoline option or something in the whole the whole store. The rest were, you know, eight to 10 different types of electric uh, lawnmowers. So I, I think it's just part of the natural progression that, you know, we're, we're just moving from, you know, the old technology, the, the combustion engine to the new technology, which is Um, you know, lithium-ion batteries and beyond.
1: Yep. Well, for me, I like a Harley-Davidson lawnmower. I like to really piss off my neighbors on a Saturday (laughs) morning. I want it as loud as possible. Remind me never to move in next to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like choppers. I don't like the quiet inefficiency <laughs> of electric technology. It's just, you know, call me American. Um what yeah. can I Are say? Are you that
0: guy that revs their engine when you race down the uh, highway? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I race down children I just <laughs> blow past the children playing sign every single day. Um that's my that's my jam. I want people to know that I'm there. But yeah, like all of these tools from drills, everything in Home Depot, anything that you can attach a battery to, we are attaching a battery to. It seems like. And some people have said and when I I'm generally of course a proponent of this because I believe in steps towards the future that we want. I don't think that anything needs to be perfect today. I think as long as we're making steps towards something better, I will allow for some imperfections along the way. Some of the critics of lithium-ion technology in general that I've heard have said that it's not sustainable, that we're running out of rare earth minerals, that there are various moral and ethical implications with sourcing the materials needed for lithium-ion technology. So what would you say towards that? Is it a sustainable technology? Is it something that we can really build out at the scale that we're trying to? Or are we going to run into those types of questions?
0: I mean, I'm a... Very firm believer that necessity is the mother of invention. Um, I mean, so back just going back to when I first started in this industry, you know, or just in the in the area of batteries, right? Maybe like eight, nine years ago, whatever it was. Uh, there, the idea of you know where we were sourcing materials, uh, lithium-ion battery recycling were those were pretty much non-factors. Um, so what you're seeing now is as these you know socioeconomic concerns pop up or people are developing technologies and trying to phase out those minerals that are either difficult to source or source in ways that are um, you know questionable or what have you know whatever phrase you want to use to describe it and either either we're going to be successful and if we are I think the countries if you know where you find some of these rare earth minerals If they want to continue to uh, sort of take advantage of their, their natural resources are going to have to find ways to more sustainably, you know, mine those materials or uh, we're just, we're simply going to move on. Right. Um, We're going to find technology that phases out those, those minerals, or uh, we're going to find a way to recycle so that we don't have to pull any more out of the ground. Uh, I think we're going to find a way around a lot of these problems. And I, I, Fairly certain that um, a lot of these critics that you know question the supply chain or anything like that. I mean, we saw a really unprecedented shift in towards lithium-ion battery technology. I don't really think anybody would have predicted that the adoption would have been as drastic as it was. So, I, I think we really just need to wait for the innovation along the supply chain to catch up, um, and that's in large part where a lot of interest in Energy X is coming along. Um, and we're, I, I'm a firm believer that through recycling, through more efficient means of, of you know, sourcing materials from the earth, we're, we're going to get there. It just It's going to take a moment or, you know, a few years for the, the supply chain to catch up to current demand. It's just like any supply-demand cycle.
1: So do you think that when we envision this future that it's going to be lithium-ion technology that's still here? Because we had NiCAD and other battery types and we've moved beyond for batteries that you can recharge more and charge quicker. Is the future a lithium-ion future or is this a stepping stone towards a completely different type of charging technology based on different sets of materials?
0: Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think... uh, I obviously am not a fortune teller or anything like that, but I've always been a very big. That's what you're supposed to
1: be here for? <laughs> I need to know. Yeah. I need to know where to place my money in the stock market.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Hey, you and me both, man. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I'm a big believer that we're going to have a lot of different types of battery chemistries that are all very application specific. Um, at the end of the day, we're limited by the periodic table, right? If you want something that has, you, you can get extremely large amounts of energy out of without having, you know, something that weighs a ton or takes up an incredible amount of space. You know, you can only go so high on the periodic table, right? There's lithium, and then there's hydrogen, and um, I mean, hydro. They all have their own problems, trade-offs, and things like that. So, I mean, I, I think we're going to shift from this idea that you know, lithium. Ion batteries or just lithium-based chemistries are the be-all and all to more of a um, you know a, an approach where okay well you know we cost is more of a constraint here so maybe we look at a sodium-ion battery um, or you know even potassium magnesium calcium there's a lot of other alternative chemistries that still have a ways to go in their development but as those sort of breakthroughs come. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that we'll shift towards much more of an application-based uh, sort of system. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, really, lithium-ion is um, sort of the, the go-to choice for high-energy, high-power applications. So portable electronics, portable anything, really, I think is always going to be dominated by a lithium-based chemistry. So lithium-ion or li- you know, solid-state lithium-metal batteries um, – those types of devices.
1: That makes sense. Uh, So for again those critics of this technology or people who are defending fossil fuels and the general usage, something that I've heard is that, yes, we can with solar energy and with wind energy, we can collect a lot of energy in a sustainable fashion, but the trouble is always storing that energy so that it doesn't go to waste. And we need to store it because the sun only shines for half of any given day, right? So when people talk about that, they say the amount of lithium ion batteries that you would need to make a meaningful dent in a city's uh, gigawatt or megawatt, I don't know what the terms are, but it's it would be so huge and the batteries array would be so massive and that could only power any given city for an hour, let's say. Do you think that this type of technology is suitable towards our larger energy concerns, or really just portable devices uh, or cars, maybe being one of the upper limits of something like that?
0: I think it depends on. Um, that's something I actually haven't given too much thought about. I've been so focused on the you know developing the the chemistry that we're doing at Energy X, and you know our goal is is primarily you know the portable. Electronics and, you know, the ultimate goal for us is electric vehicles. But I think think initially it'll probably get proven out with lithium-ion batteries since the chemistry has become so mature over the last, you know, 10, 20 years. But I think, you know, ultra long-term, I do think that some alternative technologies provide a, a better value proposition for that but they're so they're still in their infancy and there's still a lot of you know not only just fundamental science questions to figure out but then eventually you know you're gonna have to figure out how to scale that manufacturing infrastructure all of those questions are going to come into play so I think in the in the you know short to midterm lithium-ion batteries are going to be the best um, the best choice you know to sort of uh, at least prove that it's possible. And then, you know, we might shift to alternative chemistries, technologies, as they become more mature and, and develop. Because, mm. yeah, trying that to power sense. New York City on lithium ion batteries, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. And then where are you going to store those? So I, I totally get the concern. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't start with New York City. You'd probably start with, like, a rural Texas town, <laughs> you know, right. uh, and then, you know, work your way up. So... Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so speaking of EnergyX, at least if your website is to be believed, you've had some big news lately. I saw that uh, GM uh, committed a large amount of money. I think it was $50 million. So you t- you said cars are the goal. So what? where do you stand? What is the project? And it seems like you've secured lots of funding for the company so far.
0: Yeah, um, so GM is yeah leading our series B round, like the uh the announcement um said um and really i think their interest is in us because we're a full lithium supply chain company uh you know we do everything from lithium extraction from brine all the way up to putting it into uh you know the next generation battery chemistries that we're trying to develop um i'm obviously not an expert in the brine extraction part i'm very much a battery scientist uh and you know where we stand there is we have you know we started from scratch i started working with teague while i was still in grad school and we sort of transitioned some of the um you know some of the work that i was interested in in grad school and then you know shifted shifted gears a little bit towards things that were a little bit more you know had commercial potential and you know as I was, you know, as we matured, I was able to convince a couple other people from my, my, you know, group at UT um, to, to join me. And we're, I mean, we, there's, there's no way getting around it. We definitely have a long way to go, but I think we have some really solid foundational technology to build on. And, um, you know, the next steps are really proving it out on a larger scale and, you know, well, then there's, you know, with any new cell technology, you're going to have to figure out integration and battery management systems and everything like that. But um, without divulging too much, you know, proprietary information, I definitely think we're on a good track. We have a few different foundational chemistries that we're working on. And um, I think you'll probably hear some big news from us in the the battery space in the next six months to a a year. If I'm being pessimistic, two years.
1: (laughs) Okay. So what, what then is, for those who don't know, what is the fundamental difference or what are the new innovations that you're bringing to the table? Why are people investing in your technology? What is different about what you're doing than what other people are doing?
0: Yeah, so in, in the battery uh, space, we're transitioning. So a normal lithium ion battery, essentially you, have, um, you assemble it in a discharge state. Really, if you think about it, You're at a lithium deficiency because all of the lithium that's responsible for the energy storage is, you know, in one side of the battery. And part of it gets consumed, actually, when you first charge the battery to stabilize, you know, all the different interfaces you have. So what we're doing is we're transitioning from uh, having lithium only on one side of the battery to having uh, lithium on both sides. And one side is actually pure lithium metal. So you actually have a lithium excess. So as some of that lithium is consumed... You have additional lithium that you can then draw upon so you're never out of deficiency and you know that has really has a lot of advantages you don't need as much total material in the battery to store all of that energy so you end up getting more energy per unit weight and more energy per unit volume which is um, you know two of the most important metrics when you think about electric vehicles or consumer electronics um, and I mean, the more energy you can store the, you know, we're also working on very inexpensive materials. So our dollar per kilowatt hour, which is the primary metric people use for evaluating battery technologies, um, is lower. So we, you know, the batteries will ultimately be, ultimately be more inexpensive. Um, so that's sort of the, the end of means is, you know, shifting to that lithium reservoir, you know, pure lithium metal anode. And we're doing that by, uh, you know, innovating on the electrolyte, which is um, sort of the medium between the two electrodes. So the two electrodes are responsible for sort of storing the energy. The electrolyte is responsible for transferring the lithium back and forth between those two um, those two poles, if you will. Uh, and so, lithium metal. I mean, if you look back to sort of the the. Con- Inception of lithium-ion batteries, pe- you know, Stan Whittingham was using lithium metal at Exxon in 1976. The problem was their batteries kept exploding. <laughs> um, so really, our innovations are coming in on the electrolyte and making electrolytes that are stable with lithium metal and allow it to be used safely. Um, so it's it's kind of funny we've come full circle, but we've made you know a tremendous amount of progress in the last, I guess, almost 50 years. So. So for was the consumer, it's a bit long-winded, but yeah. yeah,
1: no, no, it's it's good <laughs> for the consumer. What can they expect if all of this goes according to plan? My cell phone will, the battery will last twice as long. Cars will go twice as far. What what are you realistically expecting from these breakthroughs?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if everything goes according to plan, your cell phone will last longer. You won't need to charge it overnight. Um, you won't have to worry about it exploding in your pocket. All of you know all the above, really. If every It's an ambitious plan, but...
1: So, what are cars now? They're about 300 miles per charge, generally. Is that about right?
0: Yeah, most, um, I would say most consumer-friendly priced EVs are about that range.
1: So, do you think it's conceivable to double that or just increase it marginally? What do you think might happen?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's definitely conceivable to exceed five hundred miles per charge. Uh, wow. If you maximize sort of every component, I would excuse me say it's possible to exceed six hundred miles per charge. Dang! But that's going to be a. I think it's a little bit more of a logarithmic curve, right? You know, you're going to see just, if, yeah, if, if gonna... we enable this technology, you're going to jump up, and then it's going to be slow incremental improvements to that. 600-plus part.
1: What about those of us who, I don't have an electric car because my daughter's school is 350 miles away, so unless an electric car can do 700 miles in one charge, it's just not very practical for me. Do
0: you... You drive her to school every day, three hundred and fifty miles job. away. <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, but I feel uh, like everybody—they're always saying uh, stuff
1: like that, right? People who worry about the range—it's like, what do you do? People like, do you drive to Mexico every single day? There are people who <laughs> feel that this is not enough, you know. I'm like, what are you, what are you expecting here?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, and it, I feel like uh, people, or you know, just the general public, I feel like their opinion changes a lot too, right? Because it goes True. from oh, instead of needing a. 500 to 600 mile per charge vehicle you know oh if it'll charge in five minutes then it's not so bad right there's a whole gas yeah. pump versus electric charging argument um and i don't know what the be-all end-all answer is going to be um but I, I think i'm not really sure what's going through people's minds when they when they come up with those types of situations i mean the the most I guess practical scenario I can think of is okay if you're on a road trip you don't want to uh, you don't have to stop and charge your vehicle every you know two hours or something like that but mm-hmm. uh, and then of course finding charging stations the whole charging infrastructure all of it is sort of a pain I mean if you get if you break down you know in between cities in Texas that could be you know you could be you know, an hour or more away from uh, the nearest charging station. So I I do sort of understand those arguments. Charging infrastructure does need to improve, but um, I think companies like, like Tesla, um, I mean, Rivian to some degree, Lucid, all, all of these are sort of emerging electric car companies are doing a lot for um, sort of qualming people's concerns and, um, and I think at this point, a lot of the people that are, are saying things like that are just late adopters. Um, yeah, I think you know, so. They're, they're, they, just, they, they want the te- technology to be absolutely vetted. And, you know, the, this, my, my dad was this way too, right? I mean, it's just uh, there's always going to be something better that comes along. I don't want to spend my money on the new thing. You know, in two years, they're going to have something so much better. That that just doesn't work forever, you know. You, you can't convince everybody. You just need to convince enough people to where it makes a meaningful difference, and then eventually, you know, it'll be adoption by, you know, not by choice, right? Governments are starting to implement pure, you know, uh, mandates for car companies, and car companies are starting to pledge to go all electric. At some point, they're they're not really going to have a choice. So,
1: and countries like Sweden are already well along the way towards doing that where the great majority of their cars are electric and of course the end goal is to have them all be electric in the not too distant future so it's it's happening i think that's for sure is is faster charging a consequence of your technology as well is that something that you're also actively working on and what kind of improvements might we see there
0: yeah so that's um sort of when we're working on our electrolyte technology Sort of one of the consequences of it being stable with, you know, lithium metal is that you can charge it quicker and not be concerned about the safety. The reason lithium ion batteries now can't be charged too fast is because it it becomes more favorable for instead of lithium going where it wants to go, if you try to push it, the battery too hard, lithium goes where it's not supposed to go. <laughs> and then that's where a lot of the safety concerns, come uh, you know, come into play. That coupled with the fact that the you know liquid electrolyte that is currently used is flammable, and that's where you get these sort of explosions and battery fires that uh, that are so catastrophic. So, our electrolyte, being uh, you know, we have a couple different flavors of electrolyte technology. None of them are flammable. They're all they're either a solid or they're non-flammable liquids or you know some combination thereof. Um, so, e- even if the battery does fail, you're not going to get these sort of catastrophic failures. Um, and yeah so with that comes the capability to push the battery a little bit harder without the fear of such you know drastic consequences
1: how cool is that so Can you imagine all- in- yes it's awesome I can bring a stack of batteries on a Delta flight and there's nothing they can do I can just put a backpack full of batteries in the overhead compartment and they'll just have yeah. to say it's fine yeah,
0: well, yeah no I mean uh, they they don't have any problem when it's in the cabin right it's just you can't check a battery oh right so you every can't time, put it
1: down below yeah. right
0: I feel like every, every time I get on there. a pl- yeah yeah I feel like every time I get on a plane now too they my I'm always the one where like my carry-on has to get checked and then I have to pull out like my my charging state it's just,
1: don't get me started. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we have so many batteries. Like, here's my Nintendo Switch. Here's my camera. Here's my laptop. Here's my battery pack to charge those things. It's, it's, you know, it's not weird for a normal traveler to have 10 batteries in some form or another. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I got my Apple Watch or whatever you've got. Like <laughs>
0: you it's, it's, it's everything.
1: Yeah. Um, even in, in toothbrushes, you know, electric toothbrush. My daughter has a toothbrush and it has a little charging. I didn't even know it had a battery in it. <laughs> until she pointed out she's got to push that button i said oh there's a battery in this too there's a battery in everything now yeah From vacuums to it's it's just silly uh to your latte milk foamer whatever you can think of it's gonna have a battery in it it's wild
0: i just realized million dollar idea but rechargeable remotes i feel like that's the only thing i still use AA batteries for oh yeah
1: yeah that's true there are a handful of things where's our rechargeable remotes well, I got something the other day that had a nine volt battery in it, and I thought, well, "When is the last time I've <laughs> seen one of those?" I don't even—I had nothing in my whole those? house for it. Yeah, so,
0: exactly. Where do you buy a nine volt battery I,
1: anymore? I, I know it's like a special trip to to Home Depot. I'm not sure, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's so cool. And when I found your website, I was just blown away. I mean, clearly there are some websites and projects you find where you get this sense that, that I get the sense that something big is about to happen, that something really cool is on the horizon. I mean, obviously funding aside, that's sort of an external validation that other big players in the space are interested in the kind of stuff that you're doing. But you do have that feeling that, that you're poised for something big. And when you tell me the six months or a year, I, I believe that or two at the, at the worst case scenario. Um, You mentioned that this is, I mean, 2018, your life shifted. That's not that long ago. That's five years. Now that you see this, uh, is this something that you see as a short-term project? Is this something that you see as more of a life's mission? How do you feel about this work and the meaning in your own life?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I obviously can't speak for, you know, how I'll feel 10 to 20 years from now. But right now, I mean, it, it is my life's mission to really, Get a battery on the market that improve. I mean, even if it to start improving one person's life would would mean the world to me. But to improve, you know, the life of hundreds, thousands, millions, that would I think that would mean more to me than than anything really. Um, I mean, I had the opportunity to work with uh, John Goodenough at UT. I mean, that's I what, that. where I did my my Nobel PhD. And, yeah, oh, cool. and just. Um, he he changed my life in a lot of ways I, I mean obviously I learned how to to you know perform um, experiments and you know think about problems in the material science area and he, he taught me I mean he did te- teach me how to think properly is how I would phrase it in some degree to some degree but um just his his approach to life and how um, it really was I mean he, he I started working with him when he was 93. So Dang, the fact man. that he was still driving himself to work every day, coming into the office when Whoa. he could have retired many, many years before <laughs> just seeing that level. Of, and he, I mean, he outworked a lot of us in the laboratory too. I mean, a lot of his postdocs went home before he did and just seeing sort of that level of dedication and understanding that, you know, where it was coming from, I think was a very profound moment in my life and, I mean, I really, I wanted to do nothing short of emulate that and really try to to capture that sort of internal piece that I saw he he had. Um, And so I would say that's what I'm trying to do here at EnergyX. Um, If Energy, I mean, obviously if the technology is successful, right, it shifts from being, you know, research and development focused to more of a manufacturing thing, whether I will make that transition with the technology or whether somebody else will be better suited for that. I have no idea. Um, but for right now, I mean, I'm I'm focused on developing the technology and getting it to a place where, you know, it has a real opportunity to change people's lives. That's
1: am- amazing. You used an interesting phrase just back there, which I think a lot of people don't think about it. You, you said you, you want to emulate that piece. And there is an irony or a paradox of saying that somebody who's working harder than anybody else is somehow more at peace, because a, <laughs> a lot of people might think that those two are at odds. So describe that for me. What is the peace that makes one work harder than anybody else?
0: I mean, I think it comes from a a true, you know, fundamental love of what you're doing. Um, and I mean, obviously, we're not going to love every part of our jobs and every aspect of of You know what it takes. I'm sure, good enough didn't enjoy seeing me pop into his office two to three times a day sometimes, (laughs) but uh, but just I don't know. I guess to me, capturing that that internal piece to some degree, you know, means coming to to actually enjoy the things that maybe you didn't enjoy. I mean, that kind of contradicts what I just said, but just understanding that it's all a part of the the process and really. Just buying into the mission that and understanding that you have the opportunity to make a difference, um, and I, I some of it is a, a true leap of faith. I mean, I you know, there's a there's a probably a fairly large possibility that I am not successful, and, or that what we develop is not commercially interesting. But you know, I have a firm belief that. You know there's some small there's at least a a chance and that's all i need to keep you know it to to push myself forward and to to be happy with with what i'm doing so and uh i think a lot of that comes from from what i witnessed with john
1: Mm. do you are you able to tap into that on a daily basis are you able to tap into that feeling a greater mission, a greater purpose, especially when things are tough or challenging.
0: Uh, I'll definitely say that sometimes knee-jerk reactions make it difficult. Um, but if I take a step back and actually, you know, draw upon that perspective that you know I, I outlined for it for you, then it's it's a, it does make the the tough moments a little easier to handle for sure.
1: Well, from my perspective, you're working on something really cool. Like I said, it's very exciting. I hope that the next six months, the next year, two years and beyond, give you what you're looking for. And, of course, we all selfishly hope that this technology improves, but I have no doubt that it will. I'm not really worried about that as much as you are. That's the luxury of being a bystander. I don't have to worry. I just know that it will happen. I'm going to wake up in a year and GM's going to announce, hey, by the way, 600 miles in a car, I'll say, cool, give me one. Um <laughs> nice. But, it, it, yeah, it's it's super fascinating. You have a really cool story. I'm glad that you have, you know, dedicated yourself to this. And it's exciting, again, that there are smart and dedicated people who are working on these types of problems. So I appreciate you sitting down, taking the time to share your journey with me and also a bit about the company. I'm sure that in a couple years' time, I'll look back on this moment as being like, yeah, see, I knew. I knew before <laughs> before they went crazy, before they got their first <laughs> billion dollars. Uh it's it's going to happen before we wrap this episode up. Do you have any parting words for people who may be in a position that you were before they fully realized the practical implications of what they were pursuing or how they could make a shift towards something that's more mission driven, any kind of parting words at all?
0: Um, I mean, it sounds extremely cliche, but, uh, I mean, it's been told to me by numerous people and I, I think, it starts to make more sense as you start to experience it, but work on, you know, work on the problems that really interest you and everything else will sort of fall into place. Um, and I guess something that's tangentially related to that is, uh, you know, something that enough said all the time that's, that's really stuck with me is, you know, we should be really be focusing on competing against problems and... Not other people. Obviously, when you're in industry and you you have real competitors all trying to beat each other out, that's that's one thing. But um, you know, when it comes to the the mundane people problems that I sort of witness, you know, people developing friction with each other, uh, you know, it's just it's not worth the effort. It's not worth the time. You know, focus on. We should all be focused on solving problems and not creating them. So. <laughs>
1: That's a powerful sentiment for anybody who's willing to hear it. I completely agree. It's hard not to get distracted, especially in a world full of noise that is constantly trying to get your attention and to pull you off of what matters. I think staying focused yeah. on what affects us all is one of the greatest superpowers that any human can have in this generation, this time, this very weird time. Um, yeah. Where can people support, follow, What? where can they... Check in on what you're doing.
0: Um, specifically, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, uh, at least for my professional endeavors. Um, you know, the EnergyX website is great. Uh, I know we're we're pretty good at keeping up our socials as well. Uh, so, the EnergyX, I believe we have an Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. I think we have a Facebook. To, if you know, if people still use Facebook, I have no Facebook idea. No. Um, you're on the. TikTok <laughs> side. Yeah. Uh, Cool. But yeah, um, it, at least keeping up with with EnergyX and keeping up with me and you know sort of what I'm up to at EnergyX LinkedIn is a great great resource. Uh, yeah, and so I think if if anyone's interested in learning more, our website is also. I mean, as you mentioned, it's uh, up to date, and I think it's a pretty impressive website. <laughs> it's, at least it looks cool, <laughs> and it gives people a flavor of what Definitely. we're doing. So,
1: yes, yes, it is. It's both of those things. Yep, no <laughs> doubt. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Nicholas. It's been an absolute pleasure. And that website is energyx.com, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And with that, the official podcast is over. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Off and Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might want to hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it. I understand. There's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you'd leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.